Ross Montgomery published his debut novel, Alex, the Dog and the Unopenable Door, in 2013, while still working as a primary school teacher. It was nominated for the Costa Children's Book of the Year and the Bramford Bose Award, and also selected as one of the Sunday Times' Top 100 Modern Children's Classics. A number of award-winning middle-grade titles have followed, but Ross has also turned his hand to picture books, with his debut picture book, The Building Boy, in 2016, followed by Space Tortoise two years later. His new picture book, Ten Delicious Teachers, is an irreverent and zany counting book, written in a deliciously infectious rhyme. Ross talked recently to Nikki Gamble in The Reading Corner to tell him more about the new book. Do you know, the minute I saw the title 10 Delicious Teachers, I knew that we had to have you on the podcast. I couldn't resist it. I'm very pleased with this title. Uh, hopefully it's not enormously cynical, but I think the moment it came to me, I was like, yeah, no, that's just it. That's what this book is called. So today I thought we'd do something a little bit different because it's a countdown book. I thought what we could do is to read a spread at a time. And after each spread, I've got a sort of discussion point or a question. Are you up for that? Yeah, that sounds brilliant. I am game. <laughs> Let's go for it. The whole way through out loud, actually. So you guys might be the very first people to get a taste of it. Okay. Ten delicious teachers. Ten tired teachers are finished for the day. The kids have gone. The homework's marked. The chairs are tucked away. They stagger through the playground with a weary, bleary groan. (gasps) Just in time to see they've missed the last bus home. So you've been a teacher. Can you empathise with this group that we've got in front of us here? Uh, Yes, I can. So I worked as a primary school teacher for about seven years in total. And uh, something that I definitely noticed, and maybe this is, I'm sure, better teachers than me have not had this problem. But I sort of had a thing in the summer term, which is that I'd have this big list at the beginning of summer term of what I wanted to achieve by the end of it. Uh, So that on the last day, I could sort of wrap things up for the year and feel good. And as the term continues, you just become so exhausted and the whole thing kind of slowly crashes to a halt. And then I would like become more and more fatalistic with that list until the final day. And I was like, look, if I can just make sure there's nothing on my desk before I leave, that'll do. And then you'd have to sort of arrive on like that week before autumn term started and go, what idiot did this? (laughs) So we're going to talk about Sarah's illustrations, which are fabulous as we go through the book. Uh, But just for listeners on this first page, we have a very weary set of teachers Male, female, multi-ethnic, and the big yellow bus is leaving. They look quite fed up about this. (laughs) Things couldn't be worse. They couldn't. Shall we read on? Never mind, says Mr Smith. Look at what I see. A shortcut through the forest. We'll be home in time for tea. Ten foolish teachers. Already celebrating unaware that in the woods a monster pack is waiting ten furry fiends ten bristly brutes ten hairy hungry beasts are hidden in the trees to have themselves a teacher feast Mm, okay Uh, they're looking at a map here it says welcome to the dark woods and then in 
writing that looks as though maybe it was a five-year-old that wrote this. It says no monsters here with the S the wrong way around. It's a very convincing map. So this book, I notice, is dedicated to somebody called Charlie, Mr. McKinnon. Is he a friend of yours or was he your teacher? I wish he was my teacher. Uh, So Mr. McKinnon is my brother-in-law. Hi, Charlie. Uh, And he is an assistant head teacher. And um, he and my sister are like properly amazing primary school teachers. So I thought it was the uh, perfect opportunity to recognise him. Oh, wonderful. So of the group of 10 teachers that we have here, which one is most like Mr McKinnon? That's a good question. He's not going to thank me for this, uh, but it's going to have to be the character of Mr Meadows, who's uh, the sort of big teacher with a beard. Uh, He doesn't have a beard, but if he had one, it would really suit him. It's more the characteristics than the look of the teacher, I would say. So I'm going to ask you, which one is closest to you? So it's probably going to have to be the character of Mr Fenton, who uh, we're going to meet in a couple of spreads time, who uh, doesn't have much success attempting to walk up a hill, which is (laughs) sounding very much like me at the moment. Shall we read on? Let's go for it. Let's see what happens to these teachers. Ten delicious teachers skipping through the trees, surrounded by a paradise of plants and bugs and bees. Mrs. Dawlish stops to pause and pick a dandelion. (gasps) A monster creeps up right behind her. Now there's only... Nine! Yeah, there we (laughs) go. Sorry, I forgot. It's supposed to be a class of children here. Yes! I haven't yet read this out loud to a class of kids, and they're either, at that moment, all going to go, Nine! Or I'm just going to be stood there with, like, my hands out and big eyes going, Come on, guys. It's uh, perfect to join in because of that, isn't it? You know, you've just left this ellipsis here and they'll soon get the idea of it. Even if they don't get it straight away, you won't have to tell them more than once and they'll be joining in. But where did the idea for the countdown story using teachers and monsters, where did that come from? I think it was maybe I've been, you know, reading lots of like Edward Gorey books, that kind of thing. And I liked the idea of like a load of old professors going through a forest and being picked off by wolves. There's that whole bit in uh, the Gormenghast books with the sort of old fuddy-duddy teachers and they end up going to a party and it all goes horribly wrong. And I really like that idea. And so when I was sort of expanding it into a book, when I first started, it was uh, teachers being picked off by wolves. And I wanted to do a rhyming book. And so that kind of structure of like removing one by one just sort of made sense. But the original version of this book was much more gruesome. I was sort of pitching it at a slightly older, maybe sort of year three, year four, year five. And every single time a teacher got like picked off, there'd be an extra sort of stanza detailing the way in which the wolves were like cooking them. So the science teacher got roasted over Bunsen burners and the uh, PE teacher got picked apart like halftime oranges and had some of the best rhymes I've ever written. Uh, and they're never going to see the light of day because nobody wants to read that book. It would be an absolute disaster. That's actually fascinating to hear how all those different strands came together. And you were definitely channeling Gory at that point, I think, you know, because of I love his uh, Gashley Crumb Tinies where they all come to miserable 
but very ridiculous ends. I always forget about the Gashley Crumb Tinies, even though it was the first one of his that I read. It just blew my mind. And I think that's, for me, that would be like the starting point. Yeah. I think we should read on and see what happens to some of these other teachers. Let's keep going. Nine delicious teachers hiking up the path, tailed by a naughty monster trying not to laugh. Mr Fenton falls behind and now is running late. He stops to rest to catch his breath. <gasps> now there's only... Eight! See, I've got it. So I was talking to Peter Bentley about a rhyming text the other day and how people think it's easy, hmm. but it's actually really difficult. How did you find it? It, w- it was a challenge. Um, and I knew going into it, it would be a challenge, but it's it's I guess it's like with anything in life, you actually try something out and go oh this is challenging but in ways I never expected the one of the first people that I reached out to was Pip Jones Squishy um, McFluff of course yeah. and others <laughs> and uh, what was it uh, Daddy's Sandwich I yeah. think was my favourite uh, she gave me loads of really good tips uh, and one of them which I don't think it's ended up in the final text but which I think is a really good tip for anybody who's writing rhyming picture books is she said you can just make up words if you're doing a sort of read aloud book, it's all about the sounds. So if you're struggling for a rhyme, I've had a few people submit me their rhyming text. And there's a mistake that I think people fall into, which is to make those rhymes work. They end up almost taking on like an arcane register and that feels Victorian. Um, and it just children don't understand it. Uh, and so rather than getting those words to work, so just make words up, you know, mm. uh, ones that sound fun to say. That's what really matters. You are not always, um, you don't find it necessary to always have a full rhyme. So you've got your nine and dandelion, as it were. Oh, of course. I feel quite laid back about that kind of thing. Um, and I know that like other people will probably find that quite frustrating. They'll be like, no, it doesn't count. Um, but I think there are definitely times when I think doing a forced rhyme is really funny. Uh, <laughs> and it sort of adds to the fun of it. Yeah. But other times I think people like they understand uh, like the way it scans they understand where it's going and you kind of just need to get to the point and I think with some of them I thought it's better to sort of like you know the joke's already been here let's just keep going yeah I agree that a forced rhyme can be what makes it sometimes I think there are a couple coming up while we're talking about uh, the technique the rhythm the meter is as important in this kind of book as the rhyme possibly even more important how do you do that? Do you Have you got any special techniques that you use? It's tricky because I think this is probably the only time I've actually sat down and done this. And I think if I was going to do another rhyming book, I'd want to try almost like a different technique. Um, I think I knew I had this particular rhythm in my head from the start. The only other sort of variant of it was um i think i wanted it to have a sort of like gilbert and sullivan style ding 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 ding. and i do remember a line where it was something uh, about getting the teachers like i have something like boiled up and broiled in a staff room stew and i quite liked that but i think that i knew from the very beginning the rhythm that i wanted it to have it felt most fun to me we're only on number nine let's go on brilliant Eight delicious teachers, walking in a line, hopping over stepping stones, a teacher at a time. Miss Mackenzie doesn't stop to see where she is heading. (gasps) Straight into the monster's mouth. Now there's only... 
Seven. <laughs> I managed to do a seven rhyme without using heaven, which is my least favourite. You did. Heading and seven. But it sounds great. You get away with it. Just yeah. about, I hope. What I, I wanted to ask you here is that we've got these fan- fantastic terrains. And this is, you know, one of the first one. We're going to meet a creepy cave, a creepy bridge. We're going to go stalking through the grass. To me, it's a story a little bit like bear hunt is mm. going to lend itself to being performed and acted out in the classroom is that what you would do with it so i have a dream which is i don't just want this to be a book i want this to become a sort of key stage one end of year play i want like the <laughs> kids dressed up as monsters and they get to put on like a you know 15 20 minute musical play where they get to eat all their teachers on the stage. I thought that, that's where this is heading. And then after that, the West End. That's what I want for this. <laughs> I love that idea. I hadn't thought about teachers actually being in it. I had thought about children being monsters and children being teachers. You could get the whole class involved. But I love your idea that it could, they could really be teachers. It's one of those things of um, when I look back on my time as a teacher, I think um, maybe because... I was younger and I wasn't quite confident enough. I was never very good at doing those things where um, teachers are kind of invited to make themselves look a bit silly. I sort of wasn't really comfortable with that. And uh, I think if I could go back and do it again, that would be one of the things that I would change. Mm, Fantastic. Maybe we'll have the next two, if that's all right. Seven and six. Seven delicious teachers strolling down the lane, wondering how long it is until they're home again. But wait. What's this beside the path? <gasps> a kind and thoughtful gift. Oh, <laughs> Madame Masson falls for it. Now there's only... Six! Yay! <laughs> Six delicious teachers stalking through the grass, singing songs and waving sticks and marching extra fast. Mr Kendall doesn't see the hidden gleaming eyes. The monsters have surrounded him. Now there's only... Five! Yeah. we'll stop on this page for a moment because we've mentioned that Sarah Warburton is the illustrator and you've already told us they were originally going to be wolves and we've changed them for monsters and I wanted to just talk a little bit about how she's done this in a way that is less threatening than your wolves I think Sarah's done an amazing job with this. I think uh, this spread in particular, the six delicious teachers going through the grass, I I think it's probably my favourite spread of the entire book. But I think that, yeah, one of the challenges when uh, Walker first bought this book is they actually bought it with um, another book that Sarah's illustrating called Penguin Huddle, which is really cute and, you know, about a load of penguins that huddle together to stay warm and they get frozen together. And that's far more of a, you know, standard funny sweet cute picture book whereas this one you know there's that fine balance of we want it to be naughty and we want it to be mischievous and we want it to be a bit anarchic but we have to make sure that this isn't uh scary and it's not treading too close to too much darkness and i think her way of doing that is has just been how she's interpreted these monsters they're so funny and they're <laughs> so silly um, and even on the front cover, I'm hoping that kids will be able to look at it and sort of in some way, like connect themselves to the monsters and see themselves in them. Mm. 
I mean, they're very hairy, which already makes them cuddly and they smile. So I'm reminded a little bit, although some people do find Morris Sendak's uh, monsters in Where the Wild Things Are, some people find those a little bit scary. I don't. I think they're, you know, they're supposed to be quite appealing. They smile and they've got big eyes and some of them are hairy like this. And if we go back a little bit to the end papers, oh, one of the it. nice things here is each of those monsters with the teacher that it's eaten <laughs> is sort of cuddling it. And you think maybe they weren't eaten. You know, maybe they took them to be a playmate. <laughs> well, that's the thing. We had to, um, there was a lot of discussion about how the book was going to end. But um, well, I don't want to give away what happens in the end, but no. I'll talk about the uh, the original director's cut ending. One thing I will say about these end papers, and it took me so many rereads to notice this, is one of my favourite details in a, a sort of very highly detailed illustrated book is that you start noticing that the monsters are picking up the teacher's belongings as they go. So like each teacher has like a little object that they have with them. And then in the next spread, you can see that the monsters are wearing them. And I love that. Isn't that clever? So clever. So let's have a couple more. Five delicious teachers. Their journey nearly done. Wondering why half the staff have vanished one by one. They row across a scenic lake to reach the sandy shore. <gasps> Mr Meadows doesn't make it. Now there's only... Four delicious teachers on a creaky wooden bridge, taking careful steps to reach the fearsome rocky ridge. No one sees the beast above them, swooping from the trees to snaffle Mrs. Fortunata. Now there's only three. Mrs. Fortunata being snaffled in this picture is, I think, my single favourite moment. Every time I look at it, I laugh. I wanted to talk about your word choice, really, your vocabulary, which is, you know, there's so much here. It's not condescending at all. We've got snaffled and swooping and fearsome. Um, lots of lovely words to get your tongue around and enjoy. What's your kind of position, really, on, you know, writing books for very young children and the words that we expose them to? I think with all elements of kids literature for me, I think that you can sort of include anything so long as it's much more about how you're using it than what it is that you're doing. And I think that uh, there's nothing wrong with actually including quite a sophisticated word, even in a book aimed at very young children. Part of it is, I think, well, how else are you supposed to introduce anything if you're not like including a word and then also giving it a context? You're kind of teaching a little bit just by including it. But I also think if I was going to use a sophisticated word, it will often be um, maybe quite phonic and it will be maybe quite expressive or like an onomatopoeic, something like that. When I remember loving language as a child, it's not necessarily always knowing what a word means, but sort of sensing that you can. And I think I do that with, with all my books. Let's have another two. Three delicious teachers. Feeling bold and brave sneaking through the darkness of a cold and creepy cave. Mrs. Joseph takes a break. A foolish thing to do. She lights a match to find her way. Two. <laughs> Two delicious teachers. The only pair remaining. They're cold and lost. It's getting dark. It's even started raining. 
Mr. Smith's determined for the journey to be done. He goes to read the helpful map. And now there's only two. I want to talk here a little bit about dramatic irony, because that's what happens between the text and the illustration, isn't it? These teachers can't see what's happening to them. One of the nice things about being a picture book writer and not really doing anything to do with the illustrations is I always go into it knowing that I wouldn't even say it's half the work. I do think that with picture books, the pictures are the things that matter. I feel like I'm doing 20% of the work. And if you, anyone who's read a picture book with a group of children will see that like they get so much pleasure from feeling like they're spotting things in the pictures that aren't necessarily being drawn attention to. And I think that's just the pure pleasure of it. And what I sort of wanted with this book is that I want children to very, very quickly get a handle of what it is that's going on. And so with every single page turn, they'll be so excited to sort of see what's happening. What are they noticing in the picture that these sort of silly adults haven't had the chance to notice? I'm going to let you read to the end of the story now, because I wouldn't want to disrupt the last moments partway through. The horrifying ending. (laughs) Now there's only one delicious teacher left. In fact, a nursery teacher used to dealing with all kinds of noisy, smelly creatures. Miss Hunter is her name, and now the monster pack have found her. They rub their hands and lick their lips and quickly close around her. (gasps) Stop that at once, Miss Hunter shouts. The beasts are stopped completely. You naughty things, Miss Hunter cries. How dare you try to eat me? Who taught you to behave this way? What's that? No explanation. I think it's time you beasts received a proper education. Ten uneasy monsters at their brand new monster school learning how to be polite and follow all the rules don't eat your desks say please and thanks and never bite your friends now get your books today we'll learn the numbers one to ten the end and as we turn to the last page we have the end of year class photo i think with Miss Hunter in the middle of her brood of monsters. Lovely, well-behaved monsters who've turned over a new leaf. No more. They have indeed. And they've been given names now. They're not, they're no longer just monsters. They are called Nifty, Lumpy, Dum Dum. Did you give them these names? I did. It was a long afternoon. So they're also kind of friendly monster names, aren't they? Exactly. The original ending was. I want it to be uh, Miss Hunter puts the monsters through monster school. And then the next spread is a graduation ceremony and all their mums are in the audience, like crying because they're so proud. And then basically they all end up getting jobs at the school where the teachers worked. And then I wanted the final spread to be these monsters standing in a classroom looking with horror at all of these children just being completely feral and running around. And this sort of final joke about, you know, monsters are bad, but kids are even worse. And I think when we change that to cut down the length and sort of give it like a nice, neat ending, the idea of having like a class photo suddenly made complete sense. And then I was like, oh, yeah, and of course they're going to have names. Why would they not have names? That's brilliant. I actually think it was a wise choice to cut the extended 
story because it's the counting rhyme. And once you get to none, you can only go so far beyond that. I think one of the things that I'm a real sucker for is I really love the sort of the flourish of telling a story. And I can get a little bit too into that. And I think one of the phrases that I really like is I'm an editor is the person who helps you write the book you thought you'd written. And I think it's that where just literally somebody saying, no, you're you're losing what this story is all about by having that sort of extended end, even if you like the jokes and the rhymes. However, Ross, seems to me that there's the potential for a second story in there. I will just say, I'm really, really, really proud of this book. Um, I think I am, I'm more excited about the fact that I've like written this picture book than I think with any of the others, as much as I really, really love them. And I think there is a good chance that this, this might just be one of those weird books that I've written. And a lot of people get uh, pleasure out of it, but it doesn't necessarily become my West End smash sensation that I <laughs> wish it could be. Do you think that you'll return to rhyming text? I do. I think I really enjoyed it. And I think for me, one of the key things with it, with this particular book, was that rhythm and that rhyme. And the second I was like, yes, I want to write this book that's got this kind of diddly 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 dee quality to it. I would need to have almost like a refrain in my head. And then once I had that, I'd be like, yes, this is what this book is going to be. The kind of the structure of the book is not just the plot, but it's the way that rhythm works. So one more question that I must find out from you because you teased us by saying mm-hmm. my favourite moment is coming up. Now I wonder if it is the same favourite moment as I have. Tell us. So for me, the moment that Miss Hunter turns around and tells off these monsters, they're obviously looking a bit, you know, they had the rug pulled from under them. They're looking a bit forlorn. And the last monster who never gets to eat Miss Hunter is uh, we find out eventually that his name is Dave. And the way that Dave is standing as he's being told off is one of the single best things I've ever seen. I think maybe it comes from having witnessed so many kids getting an absolute murderous rollicking from a teacher that she, like Sarah's just completely caught his stance perfectly. I find it so funny. And three cheers for early years teachers. Oh my goodness. I can't even imagine what this particular year has been like. I feel fortunate that I don't have to do anything more than imagine it. Ross, thank you for coming into the Reading Corner again and sharing 10 delicious teachers with us. It was such fun. Oh, thank you so much for having me. In the Reading Corner is presented by Nikki Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do leave a review for us. To find out about other projects, including an audience with events and the Exploring Children's Literature Summer School, visit www.exploringchildrensliterature.uk. Join us again soon in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.